Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin with our wonderful interview today, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. Uncross your legs if you're seated in a chair. Place your palms open on your lap and close your eyes. And of course, if you're driving, just pay attention to the road and use this as a deep breathing exercise. So let's go ahead and begin to breathe together. Breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of that breath. And exhaling and releasing and letting go of any tension you feel. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release, relax, and let go a little bit more. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being on the exhale, let go of what no longer serves you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release and sink into your breath and into your body. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you fill your entire body with pure golden gratitude, on the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. And just releasing and relaxing a little bit more. And filling your entire body with pure golden gratitude, every cell of your being. Exhale, release, relax. And this time, as you breathe in pure golden gratitude through your core, through your heart, through your mind, on the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you again like a cascading waterfall, pure joy. And taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude on the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. My gosh, I'm just so excited today to have a very dear friend and wonderful new author and amazing transformational coach on our podcast today for us. Her name is Amy Eliza Wong. She is the founder of Always On Purpose. She is a transformational coach and facilitator working with the biggest names in tech such as Salesforce, Facebook, and LinkedIn. 
Amy offers transformative leadership development and cutting edge communication strategies, not only to executives and corporate teams around the world, but also in the halls of academia with institutions such as Stanford University and University of California at Berkeley. Amy graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in mathematics and has an MA in transpersonal psychology from Sophia University. When she's not writing, coaching, and speaking, Amy spends time in Berkeley, California with her husband, two children, and two dogs. Welcome, Amy, to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Chris. This is really, truly a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Well, I have Amy on. Um, we'll talk about her book a little bit later, but, you know, she really is just a, a super special person. I want to just say I met Amy um, on a dear friend of ours, uh, Shauna Shapiro's birthday sale. And um, just she was just the life of the party and just, you know, brought all these just beautiful treats that her wonderful husband, who's a chef, um, prepared for uh, the picnic on board the boat. And I just was so drawn to her. And as we began to talk, I realized, wow, Amy's um, not only this great lady, just so beautiful and charming and bubbly, but she's also, you know, this very established um, businesswoman, this very established coach. So Amy, you have a brand always on purpose. Can you just describe for our listeners what that's all about in your in your own simplest terms to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. Always on purpose. It's the name of my company and my my coaching practice, but really it's a state of being and it's one in which it's 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 of optimal thriving. And this state of being is made up of a combination of, you know, um, practices and more so mindsets and choices that we make about who we are at the core and really how life works. And this is something we, we actively take on. And when we adopt this always on purpose mindset way of being, it truly, it's, you wake up to your authentic life where there is joy and fulfillment and purpose. And it is, you know, this, this didn't come out of nowhere. (laughs) It was, this has been this amazing organic emerging and, and coming to fruition based on the hundreds of conversations that I've had with so many different individuals, clients from all walks of life. And so, yeah, it's, it really truly is. It's a practice. It's a practice. So when you work with a client, how is it that you help them develop this practice of living always on purpose? Yeah. Well, it first starts with a strong desire. And every client that comes to, you know, really what comes to coaching for any reason, there's always a strong desire for something. And for most folks, it's, I want to achieve something. I want to make more money. I want to find a relationship. I want to start my own business. And so I, you know, I absolutely sign up and for those, those desires. And I say, yes, let's make that happen. But really what everybody wants underneath what they think they want, it's a feeling, it's a state of being, and it's a hundred percent always having to do with peace of mind, joy, levity, fulfillment, uh, purpose and meaning. And so 
when when a client comes through my doors or comes to me, it's the first part is really, well, what is it that you want to feel? What is it that you want to achieve, for, you know, in, in terms of your state of being? And what's that all about? So that's usually the first part is getting clear on what's truly, truly, truly wanted. What's the most common thing that people say they want to feel? Peace of mind, inner Peace calm, mind. inner mm -hmm. calm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, and because I work primarily in in corporations and I work with a lot of leaders, it often I often hear is a state of confidence, a state of mm -hmm. just tremendous. I don't want to say competence because it, it for most leaders, they, they, they do know that they're competent, but there is a confidence that's desired, a confidence in their voice, a confidence in their presence. And, and so it's that, that feeling of groundedness and value. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And if you think about that, I mean, confidence is such an important aspect of all, everything we do. Oh, yeah. I, you know, one of the things I love about your work and just having had so many conversations with you is you talk a lot about um, how people feel when they're rejected mm. and, and what, and, 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 and let's, let's just have a conversation about that because this yeah. is such a huge, a huge obstacle for most people. Um, I mean, we really do steer clear of almost any way in which we can be rejected, don't we? Oh, a hundred percent true. And we never think about it. And it's so subtle. It is so subtle. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday. We were at the park with our kids and it just, it comes up all the time that this primal fear of rejection that lives in each and every one of us. And it truly is, you know, for, for very real evolutionary reasons, we have a very deep primal fear of rejection that, and here's what's fascinating to me, rejection as an experience registers as physical pain in the brain, which is unlike any other emotional experience we have. So when you think about that, you're like, wow, that's crazy. So naturally we are going to train ourselves away from anything that will feel like rejection. But then when you think about it, like what is rejection? Rejection isn't just that overt, oh, you know, I'm not gonna let you in the house, right? Or, oh, I'm not gonna pick you up from the airport or, oh, nope, big fat, no, you know, I'm gonna ask you out, no. I mean, that, yes, of course that all is rejection, but really it's more subtle than that. Rejection is the judgment we might feel like we're perceiving from another, negative judgment. It might be criticism. It might be negative feedback. It might be not being in, accidentally not being included in a meeting or I mean, even as subtle as, camera is not on in a zoom meeting that you're facilitating with all the other participants their cameras are off that triggers lack of connection rejection which literally triggers like pain and what what is just so obvious to me and so eye-opening when we start talking about this is how this primal wiring truly determines so much of our perceptual lens it is driving so much of our behavior. And it really is the platform from which we form our beliefs to stay safe because we're trying to stay safe from rejection. Now, what's the bigger picture here? Well, rejection doesn't just hurt to the brain. When you really look at the bigger picture here, you know, when we're born as humans, we are born survival brain dominant, which means, you know, we are neurologically underdeveloped relative to a an adult. 
which is fine. That's just how it goes. But because you're survival brain dominant, that's fact number one, that also means that right after you're born, because you're underdeveloped in so many ways, you are absolutely, totally, utterly dependent on your caregiver for the first couple of years of life. There's, there's no chance for survival without the care of a caregiver. And so when you take those two facts together, you know, hardwired to survive when you're born, need a parent to survive. When you combine those two facts, what that means is rejection to the brain is death. And so that wiring is present from the moment you're born, really, truly until the day that you die. Now we learn to live with that and we can rationalize and, and be logical about how, okay, yeah, I'm probably not going to die if, you know, my, my boyfriend breaks up with me sure feels that way, but you know, I'm not going to die, but the wiring is still present, which unconsciously really determines and dictates our perception what we believe, how we interpret, what we, what we think, what we say, and what we do. And so it's, I just, I, I get so fired up about this because I feel like this fact, once we understand this, this helps all aspects of our communication. This helps our own relationship to ourselves. And this really helps make us, if we just start to make sense of everything in our life, we're like, oh, wow, okay, now I'm starting to get it. Like, yeah, I see why that hurt. I see why I acted like that. Oh, I see, ooh, right, okay. And so I just feel like it's a big part of, understanding this really is a big part of the bigger equation of what it takes to thrive. Wow, I love that. And it makes a lot of sense, especially when you talk about how the brain is wired that way to really, you know, to avoid rejection at all costs because of survival. Yeah. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, you have a new book out. Yeah. How, how does that feel to have? Oh my God. I want to just show every, I mean, I don't know how much there's, uh, we have a video going right now, but I'll put this up because it's That's just right, so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what a journey writing a book is, oh. isn't it? Oh my goodness. It is, it is magical. It is spiritual. It is, it is all the things. It truly is all the things. And I have so, I, I really have you to thank because if it wasn't for meeting you on that boat and you <laughs> said, Oh, girlfriend, you have like 10 books in you. Let me help you get it out in the world. Okay. I, I, you know, I, as you've said, I would have done it at some point. It just would have taken longer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, it was clear. It's always really clear to me when somebody's really ready to write a book, because usually what keeps anybody from getting started is just the simple idea of like, well, how do I get started? You know, with where do I start? And, you know, that's why um, let's just spend a moment talking about um, my business partner, Deborah Evans. Oh. In book doulas because yes. she is just the most masterful editor, isn't she? Oh, she okay. So Deborah is my favorite person on the planet and my soul sister through and through. And I I just I um she's an angel. She yeah. is there. I that that the process, okay. So I I've shared this with a handful of folks about writing a book. So I'm now I can say I'm an author, but prior to writing the book, I wasn't an author. So there was so much I didn't know that I didn't know about this process. Uh, you know, do I like to write? Yes. Am I a professional writer? No. So I really, there's so much I don't know. And 
you know, I have this idea of what this book needs to be, what it's going to be. And bringing it to life really is such a tremendous process. And Deb just melded with my vision and was so instrumental in being my, I, I kind of, I have this analogy of bumper bowling. You know? <laughs> so it's like, if I'm going to go bowling and I haven't really bowled before, it's kind of nice to have those bumper bowlings to build my confidence. So Deb was really my, my, my bumpers for a while there. And, and I've also shared that, you know, because I, this is, this is, this process is rather, it was new to me, you know, having Deb and you, but Deb by my side, you know, I get going in the process. And if I'm one degree off and I start writing without that feedback that I'm one degree off, by the time I'm done with the book, I'm going to be, you know, off in Jamaica when I wanted to be up in Seattle, right? And that's like, well, that didn't work. Well, that's a lot of time and resources wasted. And so what Deb was just absolutely incredible about was so encouraging, but being that, helping me shore up my my direction. You know, no, no, I think we're getting a little off. Nope. Like, for example, what we thought, and even Deb, and I think you would too, it's what we thought was going to be chapter one ended being chapter six. And so, you know, would I've been able to do this on my own? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and so this is where I just, yeah, Deb is truly masterful and amazing. Well, the book is called Living on Purpose, and it's right. five deliberate choices to realize fulfillment and joy That's by right. Amy Eliza Wong. And it's actually going to be out when this podcast is aired. So you can find it on amazon.com. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes a little bit later. But let's just talk about just briefly so people know yeah. what's really in this book. What are the five deliberate choices? Yeah. Yeah. So the you go through them really quick, you know, yeah, to. absolutely. Yeah. So they're, so I like to call them choices because they are a choice. You know, how we choose to see ourselves in the world really truly is a choice. So we can also think of these choices as a perceptual shift. It's like a mindset shift. So the first one is to feel it out, not figure it out. And there's so much to this choice. And so I won't dive into it in, you know, in detail, but Really, the wisdom in this one really is that, you know, we're all of us, truly all of us just, we're up to, we want a feeling at the end of the day, you know, whether it's more money, whether it's a house with, yeah, we want those things, but we want it because we want the feeling associated to those things. So if, if it's a feeling we want, then doesn't it make sense to follow the feeling and not the thing? And this is where we all get kind of stuck. We chase a strategy achieve all the things we set out to do and then wonder why we feel hollow. And so that's, that's a big part of living on purpose. So this, one, one question. Yeah. yeah. So would you say then that when you get the feeling that is most desired for you, that's when you know, that's one of the ways you're always on purpose. That's right. Because I mean, if you're seeking a state of being that is inner calm, joy, fulfillment, I mean, think about what is, what, what shifts, right? When you enter into that kind of state of being, the inner chatter that is inner opposition, that's resistance, that is negative, that is self-criticism, the inner critic that just eats up so much of our bandwidth, that's not present. So what's left? What's left is this incredible ability to be super present with what is. 
And when that happens, what starts to emerge? Oh my gosh. Wow. That, that tree is so beautiful. Oh, did you, do you hear the birds? Oh, look at the smile on that child. I mean, this is where life is lived in our present moments, not in our constant rehearsal of the future and ruminations of the past. It's in our present moments. And so to clear up that inner dialogue, just to, to stop that inner opposition that we have running as a result of the fears and false beliefs, it's huge because left in its place is our ability to really just live. Yeah. On purpose. I love that so much. Yeah. What's the second choice? Second choice is one of my favorites. And this is <laughs> such low hanging fruit for so many folks. And, you know, on the outset, it makes sense, but I, I dive into it in chapter four and it's so much fun. But the second choice is there is no way things or you should be period. And so this one, the, the, the operating word there is should. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just highlight that. That's right. Should. Should. Yeah, should. Is that, that must be a word that we can get rid of from our vocabulary. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I make a really strong case for why that's the, that, why that's true. And, you know, I think most of us instinctively get, yeah, it's not, it's not a great word to use. It doesn't make me feel good, but I really dive into why that's true. And so this it's, I love this chapter. I, it's, it's titled, I should you not. <laughs> oh, I love that. I should yeah. you not. I love that. I should you not. Yep. And so this, so that this, you know, to, to really break free from false pretense, I just, it's, there's so much joy in life to be experienced when we wake up to this imaginary reality that we hold ourselves hostage, hostage to this, you know, should reality it doesn't exist. So that's, that's the second choice. And that's really fun. There is no I way. I also think that when people make um, their decisions because they feel like it's something they should do, a mm -hmm. lot of times that's uh, comes from fear of um, going against what you think you should do. Um, and anytime we make decisions or choices out of fear, it's probably oh. not going to be in our best interest. So. Oh, that's exactly right. Well, you know, there's so much to this. I mean, in the short form, when we're using should, we're actually more motivated to avoid negative consequences than we are looking in the direction of what we want, motivated by reaching for that feeling of joy. And so this is where it ties in with figuring it out versus feeling it out. Oftentimes when we're figuring things out, we're motivated by should because we're also factoring in the, you know, the, the manifestation of negative consequences, which we don't want. And so- Yes, a hundred true. Yeah. All right. Number three. Number three is it is always working out for you. Even that's, a, that's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's a mindset, you know, and you know, there's a, a lot of people can come back and say, that's absolutely not true. It's not always working out. And so this is where we dive into, look, <clears throat> life is going to happen and life is born out of duality. That's just true. You can't have light without dark. You can't have birth without death. You cannot have up without down. You cannot have joy without pain. It's just a part of the human condition. And life is going to happen. Our opportunity and our gift as humans is to decide what to do with it. And, you know, it's, it takes work, but it is so worth it to really see that to choose that life is here for you instead of against you, things are happening for you instead of at you. It's, it is, um, it truly paves the way for flow. Yeah. 
Yes, it does. And I mean, it is a big, it's a really hard thing to stand in the midst of really horrible circumstances. Oh. And oftentimes, I mean, we, we don't feel that way when something really horrible first happens. We, we, we can't say that this has happened for us yet. Right. But almost a hundred percent of the time, if you think in terms of looking back on your life yep. and you're looking back and you realize this horrible thing happened to you, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, you can see how it indeed did change the trajectory of your life. And, mm -hmm. and how hopefully, you know, when you have that faith that everything does happen for you and you, and you have that faith, even though you can't see it amidst your circumstances, when you know that's really true in your heart and soul, you absolutely can look back and say, yes, that indeed yeah. did happen for me. Yeah. And I, I think for me, this is one of my favorite um, states of mind or mindsets and choices that a person can possibly make in their lives because yeah. it's not a choice that you always make when things are going really great. You're not even thinking about it. You know, you're That's in right. joy, you know, but, but when things, when shit hits the fan and you, and, and you're not in a great place, it, it to know and to absolutely embrace this concept and this idea um, philosophically, spiritually, and cerebrally mm -hmm. is is super powerful. It's one of the real keys to resilience. So, oh, real well key said. to resilience. Yeah, so, well said. Beautiful. And, and I'll tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on the the intensity of the situation, I mean, this is where the buffer of time really helps. You know, sometimes it's hard to mine for those gifts right right away, but there, you know, we can always choose to find the gifts in 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 what is. And sometimes time really does does play a part, but always we can look back and go, yeah, you know what? That sucked. But if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't be this. Da, 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 and I I wouldn't be here. So yeah. It certainly has been my experience. Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and what about the fourth? The fourth is you are already whole and complete. I love that. Thank you. You're yeah. Not broken. No, not broken. I yeah, I'm a pretty I'm a stickler about this. And I can get into pr pretty big conversations with others about it. But I really truly don't I believe no one is born whole, broken. No one is born broken. We are all born whole and complete. We take on beliefs as a result of our life experiences that cause us to show up in certain ways and protect ourselves from at the end of the day, rejection, honestly. And, you know, that's all, that all happens as a result of experiences, but at the core for each and every one of us, we are already whole and complete. And when you choose to know that the game changes because your relationship to proving goes away. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much to this story and, it is, um, I, you know, I get asked a lot, like if you could have, if you could inspire one thing in the world, if you could spark a movement, if there was one thing you could do, what would it be? And I always say, I would wave a magic wand and I would heal the relationship that everyone has to themselves so that they absolutely know that they are whole and complete because that is the epitome of unconditional self-love. And when one experiences unconditional self-love, all that is left is empathy and compassion and, and kindness and love. I mean, it's just the world, the world becomes healed. So this is a big one. Yeah. That's huge. And I, I, um, you know, I think back on, um, 
just different aspects and times in my life. And when I've gone through really, you know, really, really hard heartbreak, you know, I don't, I don't always feel like I'm in my wholeness place, but I think what's really beautiful is that that's all that means is that you're in a time of healing and you're in a time of taking care of yourself at a deeper level. And, um, and, and that, that sense of what might feel like brokenness, it, it really isn't as much that as it is just, you've got to, you've got to almost like pull everything back together again and let it become whole again and let it find its wholeness. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so I just want to address that because I know that there's people that are really going through some difficult times mm. and. You know, that just, it doesn't feel very whole when you're going through difficult times, but just to know that that is your natural birthright. And that is what healing means is you go through a healing time and you arrive at that feeling of, oh, wow, I feel so good again. And that's what wholeness is just feeling very integrated. Yeah. So love that. And then what's the fifth? The fifth is to know, don't believe your worth. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that. And, you know, I think, you know, when, when people hear that for the first time, most get that the, the, the wisdom in that, the difference between knowing and believing. And I'm a big stickler in this in my work. There's a big difference between knowing and believing. And when we choose to know something, we're choosing to know it despite the conditions around us. We actively choose it because we choose it. So, which means knowing is unconditional. Like I don't need conditions to claim something, which is huge because that to have that relationship with yourself, the basis of knowing, then that's when you can be peaceful amidst the chaos. That's when you are grounded when everything around you is not. And so knowing is huge. Believing is very important, but believing is conditional. And I dive into this, like why this is true. I think this is where like my math mind kind of comes in because I treat everything kind of like a math proof. I'm like, let's break this down in its most <laughs> basic elements to understand exactly what's going on here. But with belief, you know, it, it requires conditions. Like, for example, I would never say, I believe it's a nice day just because. I only say that because conditions add up to this idea that then allow me to say, I believe it's a nice day. And I need those conditions to uphold it against its converse. Because if I say, I believe it's a nice day, you might be from Antarctica and you're like, I don't believe, oh my God, this is seven degrees, this is the death of me. I don't believe it's a nice day. And so there's this duality here. And so it requires, naturally requires proof. And so there's so much to this conversation and really at the core of it, it's we cannot, if we truly want to thrive, if we want to be on purpose, we cannot make our sense of self conditional. Because the moment we do, we will never be at peace because there's always going to be a set of conditions out there that's going to prove the opposite of what we are desiring to feel. So that's it. And I, what I love so much about that, Amy, is that it really points to the inner, everything that you talk about points to the inner world Mm. and nothing, actually everything on the outside is all a delusion anyways. And (laughs) you know, we're just buying into the delusion of it all. So, you know, the inner world is really the inner state of mind is that's where joy exists. I mean, it it doesn't exist because it's a sunny day. I mean, it, it, you know, certainly there's certain things that people might love to see on the outside, 
Yeah. But that isn't why you feel good or calm or joyful on the inside. It's, it's your inner world. And mm-hmm. Amy, this is a beautiful book. I mean, living on purpose, five deliberate choices, realize fulfillment and joy. And Amy Eliza Wong, you want to find us um, living on purpose on Amazon or That's go to great. her website. You want to just name your website? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at alwaysonpurpose.com. That is my website, tons of information, lots of stuff going on. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, Amy Eliza Wong. That's my handle. But Living on Purpose, the book, yeah, pre-order. You can, or well, by the time this goes live, it'll be live. So yes, Amazon. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Amy, <laughs> so excited to have been a part of this journey with you. Um, you're just a delight. You are a master teacher. And I'm so excited for the world to meet you in, in such a mainstream way. This book is really phenomenal, and I know you're going to love it. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being on, Amy. Thank you so much. What a pleasure, Chris. This was a delight. Thank you. And so everyone, you know, go ahead and pick up Amy's book. Enjoy it. Please leave your comments in the comments section um, about this podcast. Hope you learned a few things. I sure did. I always am enlightened after speaking with Amy and um, just wonderful day to you and come back and listen some more, share this with your friends and family. Don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author and beloved teacher, Christine Carlson. Learn more about Christine's upcoming retreats, online courses, public speaking events, and more at christinecarlson.com and don'tsweat.com.